Welcome to the Raise the Roof, uh, Remove the Walls podcast. Andy and Joe here with you. Hey, guys. And uh, this week, uh, we were talking about the parable of the new cloth and the, the wineskins, you know, because we're we're good Baptist preachers. We got lots to say about wineskins um, right up our alley. <laughs> uh, but this, <laughs> these, these quick little parables by Jesus. Uh, we're going to be reading these out of Matthew 9 today, uh, starting in verse, verse uh, 14. It says, Then John's disciples came and asked him, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. So the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No. They pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. So, inform your Baptist son what the heck Jesus is talking about with wineskins and <laughs> patching clothes. Well, and well, first of all, let's look at the, let's look at the context of <laughs> the parables. The, the disciples of John the Baptist, not John the Baptist, but the disciples of John the Baptist come to Jesus, and they say, okay— why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? I, you know, I don't know whether this was a legitimate question or whether they're trying to find a loophole in fasting so they don't have to do it. <laughs> or they're jealous of, of Jesus' disciples because they get to eat all the time and we don't. So Jesus, as he typically does, doesn't answer them directly. I wish I could develop this. I wish I had this skill when I was pastoring full time, <laughs> not to answer questions directly, but answer them with another question. And so Jesus then says, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? And it's a rhetorical answer. And particularly in that culture, the answer was, of course, no. In fact, if you did, it would have been considered rude. I mean, horribly rude, you know because it's a time of rejoicing and celebrating because, and, and it's always interesting in when Jesus talks about, you know, he, he talks about the bridegroom more than he talks about the bride when he's making reference to weddings. And the reason that is, is because in the Jewish system, in the Jewish culture, wedding was all about the groom. If the bride was there, yeah, but it was about the groom. So he's saying, Hey, if the groom is still there, it, it's gotta be a time of celebration. And But then he says, but when the bridegroom is taken away, the day will come when the bridegroom is taken away, and then they will fast. And, of course, he's talking about himself. We're the, we're the bride, the church, and he's the bridegroom, and he's there with them. And, of course, they're not going to fast and mourn and, and be sorrowful at this point because he's there with them. He says there will come a time after you know, his death and then his ascension, where he leaves them, where where there will be time to to mourn and fast, and so that that's these two parables come out of that, and I think that's important to understand because he's 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 really not only answering their question, but now he's going to give them a teaching about why he came, about the whole purpose of his coming, and it's very different than what I think John the Baptist and even his own disciples initially, as they began to follow him, and as he began that earthly ministry, that initially everybody was looking to Jesus to be a very different Messiah than he came to be. And to me, these two short little parables 
are very much him communicating. No, you guys got it wrong. You you don't get this. This is how it really works. Yeah, they they were looking for an improvement and addition to what they already had. Yeah. You know, they were looking for hey, let's put this patch on. You know, we we've got some broken parts, some broken pieces. Let's fix let's fix that stuff. You know, and Jesus comes in and says, no, no, no. This is a whole new thing. Yeah, I'm right. a whole new thing. You know. I, you know, that beginning that that question from John's disciples, I I, I kind of just translate it as why do you, why do your disciples act different than us? You know, I mean, they they choose fasting as the exact thing, but it's yeah. like why, why are you why are you so different? Why are your why are your disciples so different? And I think yeah. it's a simple answer because uh, they're with me because yeah. I'm with Jesus. Being with Jesus means I'm different. I don't do things the way everybody else does them. I'm with Jesus, and that's because right. Right. He gives me this whole new life, this whole new way of looking at things and dealing with I, things. You know. Um, it's funny that you, you, you know, this brings up the whole, basically like crying at a wedding is bad is, is what this brings up. Like, this is insulting. Like, why should you be sad? During the wedding? Which is always funny because there's, I, I, I'm always a little tears at a wedding are a little bit funny to me. Uh, there were tears at my own wedding. All, not all three of my wife's bridesmaids. No, no, no parents. Parents were fine. Parents were good. We were having a ball. We got to see all yeah, kinds of we, great. I don't know. Her parents, we were I fine. was excited. But yeah, we brother bride and groom, we were good to go. I'm up there trying to, you know, say vows to my wife, and I can just hear all her bridesmaids like sniffling in the background behind her. And I'm like, I thought you guys liked me. I don't know what the problem is here. <laughs> um all this <laughs> what no, I tell there? people my son's my son's wedding was the funnest wedding, most <laughs> joyful wedding I ever went to. Number one, I didn't have to do, do anything but walk in and sit. That was cool. And I even have somebody to help me if I really needed them, but I didn't. <laughs> um, there was no pressure, none at all. And he was marrying the only sane woman he ever dated in his life. So no, I was like, yes, yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. So, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I agree with you. I, I, I totally agree with you because fasting was not, you know, we do fasting now out of a movement of the spirit, hopefully in our lives. But they had a system and the system said, here's when you fasted. Here's how you fasted. Here's how long you fasted. And, yeah. and Jesus is going, no, we don't. We don't follow that because that's the old way. I'm bringing a whole new way of doing things. So, yeah, I agree with you. That's exactly what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they they had the, they had the system and Jesus has the relationship. And so he's saying like no, it's not right. it's not oh, it's this day you're supposed to fast. It's like I, I'm here. I'm with you. So let's enjoy being together and you don't have to do that right now. Um Right. But we we right. try and fit those two things together all the time. We try and take the old stuff that we had and we try and just add Jesus to it. And that never works, you know, and he gives us these kind of exactly. odd examples, you know. No. Um you know, old clothes that shrink down, they're not as flexible as they once were, and you put this new patch on that. I sort of get that one, but not entirely. I had done all, all of my jeans as a child had patches in the knees. Um, and sometimes sure. they stuck, and sometimes they didn't. Um, I needed patches in my actual knee a lot of times as a child, too. There was usually a big hole there, too, but, you know, that healed. Um you know what? You know that new patch well, in the yeah, and, and I, you know, I can remember um, that was almost a bad July. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you know, it was almost a badge of honor when I was a kid to have patches. 
Because because that means you had been doing something stupid that <laughs> wore holes in your knees. And we were all about doing stupid things as kids, you know. Uh, I got in trouble not for putting a hole, but for putting grass stains on my knees because we played this thing called midget football where we did it on our knees. And I got grass stains and my mother did not like that. So, well, you know, I mean, you put that unsh- that new cloth that's been unshrunken on an old piece uh you know, at the knees or in the back or someplace. And then you wash the whole garment then. Well, what's going to happen? Well, that new unshrunk stuff is going to shrink. So not only does it not fix the hole, it makes the hole worse. It tears it even worse, you know. Um, and then the second parable, I think, is even more clear in that you put this new wine, which is still expanding and the gases are coming off of it. And I do not understand winemaking, so I'm not going to be an expert <laughs> here, but I've, I was told that by other people. So all of these, it's still expanding. The gases are coming out. You've got this old wineskin that's, that's not flexible, that's not supple, and it expands and it cracks. And as Jesus says, you lose the new wine as well as the old wineskins. So he says, put new wine into new wineskins. Doesn't mean the old wineskins are wrong. It just means their time is now past. Yeah. And I think of I think of a couple of passages. I think of 1 Corinthians 1, 8, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 18, you know, where, I mean, uh, yeah. Anyway, new, new creation. We're a new creation in Christ. And what I see a lot of people doing is baptizing their old life, but not abandoning the things that are not of God. Yeah. I, I have a guy in my life, not as in my, much as in my life as he once was, thank goodness, but he's still there, who took all of his bad traits, and now he's turned them into what he considers good traits because he's a believer, but they're the same irritating, controlling, prideful things that he had, but he just uses them in a different way, and he calls them leadership or administration and stuff, and 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 it's not. It is simply trying to fit something old into something new, and it's horrible, and it's it 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 hurts and it destroys. It doesn't build. As as the new would, it simply destroys the old stuff. So I think personally, there's some personal application here. I can't I can't say, well, you know, what used to be pride is now leadership. No, what used to be controlling is now my ability to uh, administrate things. What used to be manipulation is just now, you know, godly persuasion. No, it's still wrong. You can't fit that new stuff that old stuff into the new who you are. I mean, Paul says, get rid of the old stuff. Get rid of it so that the new stuff can come in. And if we try to put the old on top of the new, or we try to put the old in the new, no, it's just going to cause problems. And I think that's a whole lot what he's saying here. And I take part of that to apply it personally in my own personal life and personal relationship with God. Yeah, you know, we... There are things in our lives that just need to go away. You know what? Yes. Jesus, and, and here's the thing. Jesus comes to us and says, let go of everything. We're supposed to let go of the good stuff mm-hmm. and the bad stuff. And we're just supposed right. to hold on to him. And some of that stuff, some of that stuff's going to stick around. 
some of that stuff God's going to keep in our lives. There's going to be people, there's going to be relationships, there's going to be stuff that God keeps there, but we're not holding on to it the same way. That's not the basis of our lives anymore. Jesus right. is, and that stuff stays, but there's going to be other stuff. Right. It's just gone. That God's like, nope, you don't need that anymore. Yeah. And and some of that's the obvious stuff. Yeah. There's, there's, you know, sinful, prideful stuff that just needs to go and that's done and over with. And there's some stuff that we're going to look and go, well, that wasn't so bad. That was okay. That was good. And, and God's going to tell us, you know, I have stuff better for you than that. Yeah. You know, we, I say that, I feel like I say this all the time. We get stuck yeah. on good and bad and God's just better and best. That's, that's who God is. Like he's, he's not concerned with our, oh, well, this is the good and this is the bad. And he's like, there's plenty of good stuff that I want you to get rid of because I have something better for you. Uh, you're too busy holding on to this other stuff. You know, um, we're, yeah. we're trying to mix these two things that do not go together. Um, that right. just don't work together. You know, we're, uh, right. we're a, uh, we're a Nintendo family. Um, <laughs> I, I've never, I briefly owned an old PlayStation in college cause somebody got a, a PlayStation two and we're like, Hey, you want my old PlayStation? I was like, sure. Um, otherwise I just have Nintendos, right? So, uh, my wife's on board. She's like, nah, all that other stuff. We're, we're right. just like super Mario people. Um, this is all we play, which limits us some because there's some cool Star Wars games that never come out on Nintendo platforms. But it's funny to me because every time Nintendo does something new, it's completely new. Like I have original Nintendo games in my house. I have Super Nintendo games in my house. I think there's even a couple of N64 games hiding in a, a drawer somewhere. Uh, we have a Nintendo Wii and a Nintendo Switch. Like I have these five different Nintendo platforms that I've owned in my life. You cannot play the games from any of them on the new one. They don't fit. <laughs> like true. you had those old, old school cartridges. Right. And they changed shapes and then they changed shapes some more. And then we went to discs like, Oh, cool. Now the switch has these itty bitty little like micro SD card looking thing, which I'm still trying to figure out why they come. Yeah. I, I couldn't use them because I couldn't see them. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremiah has to change those out for me. I don't mess with those either. Um, they, they still come in the same size thing and we buy a game in the store it's like the same size piece of plastic that it's in but you open it up and there's this tiny little thing in there instead of being full of stuff you know but they don't go together like oh this is a nintendo game cool i can't take my old right uh tech mobile game and shove it into my switch it doesn't work like it's not supposed to work and yet that's what we do with our lives all the time <laughs> we want to take this old thing that we oh i had this and i love this and let's let's just yeah. shove this right here with our new life and, and keep these things together and it doesn't work and it's okay that it doesn't work because God has better things right. for us. So we need to let go right. of that stuff. Yeah. You know, there, there have been neutral things in my life that God has said, nope, you need to let go of those because that's not the best thing for you. Yeah. They're not bad. They're not immoral. They're not sinful. It's just not what I have for you right now. Uh, and some of those things have come back into my life later on, but many of them have just gone away because they weren't good for me. That's true. Now, let's apply this to the church. Ooh. <laughs> I can remember the, the first church that your mother and I joined right after we got married was a church that was in, it had been at one time, a very flourishing, thriving church, four to five hundred in, on Sunday morning. But it was in a neighborhood that was transitioning from a middle and even upper middle class white neighborhood to a middle to lower middle class black and Hispanic community. 
But the people who are going to the church had shrunk to about 60, all of them white, no blacks, no Hispanics, nobody from the neighborhood coming to that church, people coming from, and this wasn't a huge city, but it was big enough that churches could be neighborhood kind of impactful churches. And this one wasn't. And it eventually died and went away. But all they talked about was back when, back when, back when. Um, you know, I hear that today from from people, you know, back. And I want to go, that was back in the 50s. That was back in the 60s. First of all, I didn't think church was that healthy back in those days. But even <laughs> if it was, we don't live in that culture anymore. And, you know, one of the things I wrote in my notes as I was going over this, the message of the gospel. Jesus's message never, never, ever, 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 ever changes. But the way we proclaim changes from time period to time period, from situation to situation, and from culture to culture. I mean, you and I have both been in other cultures, and they don't do church like we do it here in America. And you and I, having served in Mexico, we don't do church a whole, we don't do church many times like they do back in the Bible Belt. You know, churches in other parts of the country, and and they don't don't. always. No, (laughs) well, that's true, (laughs) but they don't resemble each other. But we we have this attitude of just as I think the 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 Jewish uh, uh, John's disciples, and particularly the Pharisees, there is a pattern pattern a formula that you have to do to be able to God. And I think Jesus is saying, no, the mess the same. message hasn't changed from Genesis to Revelation. It is about you're a sinner, you need Jesus, and he's coming, or he's come, or you know, or he's here. You know. We tend to want to stay, there's a lot of inertia in the church. Until we're forced to change, we a lot of times don't change. And you know, I, I am not a proponent of people going online and that's their church. I don't think that that is how God made the church. But I see a lot of things that come out of social media that the church can use. And I was in a conference one time where I was told, oh, we shouldn't use those secular (laughs) social media platforms. We need to use the Christian ones. And I'm like, who are we trying to reach? I want to reach people who don't know Jesus. I want the gospel to penetrate people's lives. And Paul says, I've become all things to all people that by some means I might win some people. Now, he's not saying he was a chameleon, that when he was around the Pharisees, he didn't eat pork. And when he was around the Gentiles, he did. I mean, we know he didn't from Galatians because he gets in Peter's face sort of about that. But he's saying, listen, different circumstances, different time periods, different cultures. I ha- the gospel is relevant to them, but we have to allow the, the, the packaging, for lack of a better term, to be something that they can connect with. And and I think that was one of the things that the Pharisees were most upset about Jesus. You're not doing it the way we think you ought to do it, and you've got to do it this way. And Jesus is going, I didn't come to add. I didn't come to make it better. I came to make something totally new. Yeah. And again, I think as we follow Jesus, it's got to be fresh and new every day. And it may not look the same, even in our lives, from season to season. I know it doesn't look the same in my life in the, in the season that I am now, which is kind of late fall, uh, as it did in the spring of my life, okay, or even in the summer of my life. And as I get older and I move one day in the next 20 or 30 years in the winter of my life, <laughs> um, 
it's going to look different. It just is. I mean, it's different now. Not being a full-time pastor, what I do looks a lot different than it did then. A lot different. Yeah. Yeah. And people get stuck on this, you know, the way it was, especially in church. Yeah. Um, And yes, I would just have it like the way it was led to the way it is. Like there's a straight line from from there to here. So if we go back to there, aren't we just going to end up here again? Like, I don't, like, I I don't want to come back here. I want to go somewhere new. I'm going to go where, you know, where God does something, you know, you've pointed this out uh, to me, to other people. I know Uh, God's all about the word new in the Bible. When he tells us, I'm doing a new thing. I sing a new song. God never says sing an old song. Sorry, people. It's not in the Bible. He does tell us to sing new songs. Right. you know, Isaiah, you know, I, I, I be, yes. I'm doing something new, this new yeah. thing that I'm doing. Can you see it? Yeah. Can you yeah. tell what it is? Do you understand it? Yeah. Um, we, we get stuck. And I, I think inertia is a very good word that you use, you know, that, you know, we're, we're going this way and we're just going to keep going this way until something really knocks us out of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, and some of that's just human nature. That's how we're built, but we have to learn to throw things in the way and do things to knock that inertia out so that we don't just end up in the same pattern going over and over doing the same yeah. thing over and over again and expecting a different result. That's, that's literally insane. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Th- those passages in Isaiah. Yeah. I, I wrote those down because they really always speak to me, you know, Isaiah 42, nine and 10, where he says, behold, the former things have come to pass and new things I now declare before they spring forth, I tell you. And then he says, sing the Lord a new song. His praise from the end of the earth, you go down to the sea and all that fills it, the coastlands and the islands. Isaiah 43, I think the one you're referring to, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? And and I can really identify with this, this latter part of this verse. He says, I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I mean, I've been serving in the desert now for um, over 40 years, you know, and and to, to have this concept of and, and when you see the rain in the desert, it's like, wow, that's awesome. And God is saying, I want to do a new thing. Yeah. He never says I'm going to do an old thing. I'm going to do it like I've been doing it. No, no. It's, it's, it's a constant newness in our relationship with Christ. It's a constant newness in the way that he's going to work in us and through us, and a constant newness in how the church needs to reach out into the community. I, you know, when I first got in church work, one of the big things we did every week is we had visitation night, and we went around and we got people who had visited the church who had been you know silly enough to write their names on a card <laughs> uh, and put their address or, or maybe just names other people brought to us, or we got them from the city, or we got them from all sorts of places. And we'd go out and literally knock on doors every, every visitation night. Usually it was Monday or Tuesday nights. You try to do that now, you're going to get shot in a lot of places. I mean, you yeah. flat are, you know, because that's not who we are as a culture anymore. But we still need to reach those people. So how do we do it? And that's where, you know, the newness comes in. I think the other thing here that that I got is where he's talking about the new is the gospel of grace. The old is the law. 
by works. Yeah. And, and, you know, Paul makes it very clear. Well, James makes it clear. This, you know, when people talk about, well, you've got to follow these rules. And, and I, I think of James 2.10 where he says, forever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has been guilt law. I mean, I would be like if, if on tests in school, if you miss one thing, you flunked a test. Well, um, I wouldn't have graduated. I don't know too many people who would have. Uh, I wouldn't even come close. I wouldn't have gotten out of the first grade, probably, in that <laughs> sense. But, you know, if we try to depend upon the old law, the, I've got to follow the rules, I've got to follow the regulations, then we've got to keep it all 100% of the time, and none of us do that. So grace comes along. He says in Romans 5.20, Now the law came to increase the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounds all the more. You know, here are these, particularly these religious leaders, or the ones who are bringing the woman caught in adultery. They're the ones who are criticizing him because he's eating with Matthew's friends who are tax collectors, and he's going to Zacchaeus's house for lunch, and he's not washing his hands like he's supposed to, and all of that stuff. And he's going, no, that's old. And that didn't get you to where you needed to be. I brought something new by grace, this gospel into people's lives. And I think that's what we have to proclaim. And I'm afraid what the church is proclaiming now is a conservative lifestyle, conservative political and moral values. And and those are fine. But if they don't get us to Jesus and they won't, we got it. We got a problem. We're going we're gonna to produce a lot of good moralists, conservative moralists, but we're not going to produce disciples who follow Jesus with their lives. Yeah, and, and that's that's the only thing that matters. You know, that that's, you know, there's, there's a reason Jesus, and I mean, God does this the Old Testament throughout, but Jesus especially, we get to see it. He doesn't do the same thing the same way twice. No, like he, I know. He likes the creativity. He likes to do different. And a lot of that is so that we're not relying on the method. Right. That, that we were, you know, I mean, you already talked about the difference between method and message, but we get caught up in method because this is how you do it. Oh, yeah. And you take these steps yes. and this will happen. And guess what? It doesn't always work. Um, you know, I mean, I, I've, I've seen that in my own ministry stuff, like, all right, we did this thing and, and we did, we did this stuff and, and this cool thing happened. Let's, let's try that again. Guess what? Same th- cool thing does not happen because it's not about the cool thing. It's not about the method. It's not about what you did. No. Um, it's, it's the working of God. And we, we love to get dependent on the method because we can control the method. We can contain the method. We, we can handle, we can do the method. We don't need anybody else. We can walk through the steps and do the thing. But depending on the um, uncontrollable, kind of crazy, unpredictable spirit of God, um, that's out of our hands. How are we supposed to deal with that? Um, We're supposed to trust it and follow it. And it's going to go where it's going to go. We're not in charge of it, but we want to be in charge. So we like the method better most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I I tell you where I learned that. I learned that being a youth pastor. Oh, gosh, yes. I've told people this. I think the best training to be a lead senior teaching pastor, whatever you want to call it, is to be a youth pastor. Because I guarantee you, you cannot do the same thing year after year after year with kids because they change. And I remember when you became a youth pastor and I watched some of the things you did and you were in a whole you had different generation of kids. You were in a different uh, uh, setting than I ever was. And I'm going, you know, I never did that. But it worked because... It was a different generation. It was a different setting. And if you would have said, I'm going to take what my dad did and I'm going to put it down here, you would have been an, a horrible failure because <laughs> that's not how it works. 
you know, but we, we think that is, we don't live, you know, I was talking to somebody my age the other day, they're harder to find than they used to be, but anyway, um, they're still around. Um, but I was talking to them and we were talking about what were things like when we were kids and when we were teenagers and when we were young adults and just married. And it's so different than what these, this, these generations are having to face now. And so we can't just sit back and give our, our, our same method to get the message out. We've got to find new ways to do it. And I mean, when you look at Jesus, he's saying, Hey guys, following me should be joy. There should be excitement. There should be celebration. And I see so many times anger in the lives of a lot of Christians today because we're angry at the culture. And I'm going, why be angry at the culture? The culture is doing what an unregenerated, broken, fallen culture is supposed to do. Let's focus on what we as God's people are to be. And we're we're to be joyful, not happy, that's circumstances, but joyful because we have the spirit and knowing that that you know paul says that that nobody is justified by following the law so it's got to be by grace through faith that we follow jesus and we let him be the one who directs our lives i mean that's the bottom line and and building his kingdom is the goal yeah and and you know i'm we're, they're building three well actually they're building four houses fairly close to us One's a massive thing. I can't wait till they get it up. It looks like a castle. It's got a turret and everything on it, man. It's weird. But they're building three houses really close. And I'm thinking, you know, I bet you they're not building those houses in 2023 using the same method that they used back in 1950 or 1970 or 2000. They're probably, there's probably different. I mean, I remember my dad was a painter, so... I got to be around house being built. And I remember hammers going, you never hear hammers. You know what you hear? Because they got nail guns, which I think are cool. I really want one. Your mother says we don't build anything. I thought great protection. But anyway, she, yeah, I know she shakes her head too. So we don't get that. But I'm thinking, yeah, I mean, I can remember when they used to build houses and it was so loud because he'd hit the hammering and all that. Man, they're building these houses and occasionally you hear a noise, but mostly you don't because they're using different methods, different tools, because things are different now. And in the church, we, we don't need to change who we are. We need to change the method by which we get something out. And it needs to be new. It needs to be fresh and it needs to be different than what the world is using. We don't need to keep branding churches and changing their names. I'm sorry. <laughs> Got an issue with that. Um, you know, I don't need to rebrand my church. My church just needs to be branded with the spirit of God infused into it. Yeah. I mean, you you mentioned the passage earlier, you know, Paul talks about like, I, I become all things, to all people. Like I, I will do whatever it takes to tell somebody about Jesus so that they hear about Jesus. And that's, that's what this parable is telling us too, is like, stop, stop yeah. getting attached to that old stuff. And, yep. and embrace embrace the new, embrace difference so that you can reach more people. You keep doing the same thing, you're going to reach the same people or right. not reach people because um, you've already reached everybody with that method. Okay, this is who this is going to attract. So let's try something different. And, you know, sometimes in, in right. industry, especially that takes some trial and error, you know, but again, it doesn't get laid out. We, we yes. it out there and it's like, yeah. oh, okay, well, yes. that didn't work. Um, let's, let's tweak this. Let's change that and, and see how it goes. But we... 
we have to keep making sure the focus is in the right place that right the power oh, yeah. comes from the right place that it's all from yes. the right source and we're not that yes. source so no no and the source doesn't change you're right nope. the message doesn't say the short source source doesn't change the method constant we have to constantly be letting god bring new creative methods to get the same message and be empowered by the same source yeah absolutely yeah yeah well, I can remember doing things that worked in one church, tried it in the next church, and it was like, <laughs> it just crashed, <laughs> you know, because that, that, that those folks, whether it's the place or the time or the particular people, it just didn't connect. You know, we did things, you know, I, I, God gave me the privilege for 30 years to pastor three different churches as a lead pastor. And the things I did in one didn't work in the other. And those things that did work in that church probably wouldn't have worked in the former one and vice versa, because we can't, yeah, we can't just come. Okay. And, and I'm afraid a lot of pastors do that. And that's why they only stay two or three years because they have their program and their program works fine for a couple of three years. And then it doesn't. So well, we got to go out and look for greener pastures so we can then put this in and there, and there's no, there's no dynamic. There's there's no dynamic relationship in what's going on. It's just program after program after program. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the parable of the the new cloth, parable of the wineskins. So you got to listen to, to Baptist preachers tell you a story about wine. That's a rare occasion. Um, so... That's why I'm not a Baptist preacher, see, because that's what Jesus did in his first miracle. He did the wine thing. So I figure... You know, of course, you know, you're talking about it yeah. was no drinking, no dancing, you know, no card playing. I always wanted to ask, how come you can smoke, though? Because all the deacons used to smoke outside the church building. I'm going, and we, somebody invested in a tobacco company at one point. So we had to <laughs> but they didn't drink, dance, or play cards. So it was okay. No, they just invented domino games that were like playing cards. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> That's true. That's true. The, the best domino players I've ever met were people who grew up in the Baptist church. Yes, and all of yep. them will tell you, oh, yeah, we, we, we grew up playing 42 because we couldn't play cards, so we just played this instead. Right. It's the exact same thing. You're just yeah. using dominoes instead of cards. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Only I understood the cards. I never got 42. Nope. No, no. Cards I get. Um, yeah. I'm with you. All right. Well, we'll be back with you guys again next week. Uh, I think next week we're on a yep. song. So we'll see you guys then. Okay. Bye, guys.